Welcome to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive, featuring conversations with performing artists and industry influencers on what it takes to succeed in the arts. I am your host, Diane Foy, and I believe that you really can make a living from your creative talents. As a publicist, podcaster, and coach, my mission is to educate, motivate, and empower you to thrive with authenticity, creativity, and purpose. Hello, and welcome to episode 61 of Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. How's everyone doing? I'm curious if you've ever heard of the five W's and one H. People often ask me how. How is my PR and marketing coaching for musicians and actors different from other coaching or training out there? That's a great question. At the core, I believe in exploring the five W's before we even get to the H. This means my clients explore what, what they really want, what they have to offer, whether that's recordings, live performances, acting for film and television, merchandise, who, who they truly are, and who's most likely to appreciate their talents and what they have to offer. The when and where, when and where will they share their talents and offerings? And why? Why do they want it? Why are they chasing this dream? Why are you chasing this dream? Our why motivation is what drives us to keep going, no matter what obstacles come our way. So it's very important. Only then can we be successful with the how of marketing, social media, and publicity. I truly believe that how I approach helping musicians and actors attract fans, media, and industry authentically is what gets the results that my clients desire. If you want to learn more, I have a free resource called How to Attract Fans, Media, and Industry for Musicians and Actors, the six-phase roadmap to book gigs and make money. You can download that at dianefoy.com freebie, and you'll be able to kind of see what the roadmap is that my clients go through. Today's guest is Monica Strutt an Australian musician and career coach for bands. After working for years as a music journalist and digital marketer and seeing too many of her talented friends give up on music early on in their careers, she started her coaching business to help emerging bands get the exposure they deserve. Through her coaching, consulting, online courses, Facebook group, and being in a band podcast. She has helped hundreds of musicians become empowered to reach the next level in their careers. During our conversation, she offers up some great tips on social media marketing, Spotify playlisting, and how to balance a day job 
while pursuing your dreams. For links and a transcript, visit singdanceactthrive.com slash 061. Well, hello. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So you're, you're based in Melbourne, Australia? Yep, that's right. You kind of do a few things. You are in a rock band and also you coach artists on social media, marketing, all that good stuff. And you came from it from being a journalist. Is that right? I'd love to hear a little bit more about kind of your journey from how you kind of st started to get into the industry and leading to what you do now. Yeah, so I uh, have been in bands since I was a teenager um, and before that I actually wanted to be an actor so that was the path I was pursuing and then when I didn't get into the school's musical uh, because I couldn't sing that's when I sort of started taking singing lessons and transitioned into the world of music and fell in love with that. So I've always loved the arts but I found that when I was trying to build up my bands, I was taking the kind of old school approach of just playing as many shows as possible. And eventually I got to a point where I felt like my band wasn't really growing. I was in a band for about six years um, prior to the current one that I'm in now. And I was in several bands before that, but the band that I was in for six years was sort of my main one. And we toured overseas and did a bunch of big supports and toured Australia as well. And we were starting to build a name for ourselves, but it kept feeling like we were hitting our heads against a glass ceiling. And it wasn't until I did some consultation sessions with a local promoter and manager that I really got the knowledge that we needed or we got the knowledge that we needed to actually understand how the modern music industry actually works. And that was such a pivotal moment because prior to that, I'd just been going off all the biographies that I'd read, I'm a huge 80s rock fan, so I'd read, you know, The Dirt and all the Guns N' Roses books and Alice Cooper and everything and was basing my knowledge off that, which definitely served me, um, especially when it came to the mindset piece. But in terms of the new world of social media and how to actually release music properly, there were a lot of gaps in knowledge. So eventually... Uh, that band that I was in for six years did break through that glass ceiling and, and did achieve some of the things that I mentioned, but then we broke up and I thought, oh my gosh, I can't spend another six years effectively getting a new band back to the start. So I'd already been dabbling in music journalism and I needed another creative outlet anyway. So I transitioned my career into marketing, specifically social media management and I just became obsessed with learning how the bands that were up and coming and, you know, signing to management and agencies and labels and getting off that local level and reverse engineering what they were doing. And then eventually when I started my current band, The Last Martyr, we were able to put a plan in place that I definitely think has saved us a lot of time and energy and uh, emotional stress. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, in the process. So I, my mission is to, I guess, upskill bands and specifically um, being a music journalist. Uh, I have, 
I guess, been exposed to the business side of the industry and the network as well. And it's amazing how much you can learn from someone, you know, a label person or a manager just by sitting down and having a beer with them. And that's the opportunity that music journalism sort of afforded me and being backstage at festivals. And I was like, no one is teaching bands this stuff. There's a huge gap here. And um, yeah, my goal is to really, I guess, fill that gap and help bands generate a buzz and get off that local level um, or whilst coming at it from the perspective of being in a band and uh, being in similar shoes, trying to get my own band, um, you know, move my own band forward at the same time. So what are some of the success stories of the band that you're in now or before? Yeah. So my band, The Last Martyr, we have only been around for about two years. Well, probably about 18 months if you just 2020 was a write-off. So right. <laughs> we took a bit of a break. Uh, we did record our second EP though, so it wasn't completely a write-off. I guess some of the main differences between the way that this current band is launched and full transparency, there's no shortcut here. So even though I feel like we have done things very strategically, it's not like there's a shortcut that's going to say, okay, well, six months after you launch, you're famous and touring the world. I just really, it just doesn't doesn't work like that. So, um, but some of the core um, achievements that we have had is we, um, I mean, our debut EP has over 100,000 streams on Spotify. Uh, We've been able to build our social media fairly quickly and, um, you know, not just of friends and and family, but we're starting to, uh, you know, interact with people globally who are genuine fans of the music and aren't connected to us personally. And we've also, you know, established a really great reputation within the media, specifically Australian media, because that's where we're from. Um, so yeah, we've, we've had articles in most of the major publications here and, um, I guess had that sort of backing from the industry as, as well, which is really nice. I think that PR is so important to, Uh, getting exposure to new audiences and gaining credibility as an act and generating a buzz. So, um, yeah, we've got some big goals for this year playing. uh, I mean, shows are just coming back here in Australia. So hopefully playing some support shows and and getting out there and building our fan base locally even more so because the industry has certainly changed (laughs) since 2019. Yeah. And do you still write for magazines? I don't anymore. Um, I am mainly just focused on my own business. Um, I was just sort of phasing that out and just doing um, the interviews at festivals and whatnot, because that's, of course, the funnest part. Um, Getting to, to, um, and I always have my own kind of agenda. I love asking, you know, the bigger acts about when they were first starting out and about the advice that they would give because oftentimes I don't think a lot of people ask about that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm mainly focused on my own band and business at the moment. Yeah. That's why the, when I do interviews with artists, it's like, I love hearing the whole journey. Mm-hmm. I want to hear the struggles along the way. What did you learn? You know, it's so important to inspire 
the up and comers. Absolutely. There is no fast track. There is no easy way. It's, it's, uh, even the well-known names have had some struggles. So. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And so what made you transition to also helping out other artists in promoting their, is it mostly promotion that you help artists with? Um, so it is consultation and coaching. So my philosophy is really to teach a band to fish um, so that they can be self-sufficient. I don't want to be working with bands forever. I want to kind of send them off into the world and them able to have strategies that they can rinse and repeat. But it really just stemmed from I saw a lot of my friends give up on music really early on. So I went to music college and after you know, a couple of years later after we graduated, a couple of years after we graduated, most of those people that I was in a class with, and I'm talking about a class of 90 people, had given up or just weren't interested in music anymore. And it may have been that maybe they didn't have the passion and drive to begin with and they were kind of just studying music. And mind you, this was a very expensive course. So, yeah. It's this is crazy if this is the case. Maybe they just never had the drive to succeed in the first place and were just doing it as sort of an interim thing. But I think for a lot of my peers and friends who all are so talented, I was constantly blown away by the people that I was in a class with. I think that they just experienced that frustration of, not really knowing what to do next, booking shows and just feeling like their audience wasn't growing or releasing music and posting on Facebook and not really getting a response and wondering why that is. And it just broke my heart after seeing, you know, people that I was close to not pursuing what was once a huge dream of theirs anymore. And I thought, well, if I can share what I know, even though, you know, I've still got so, so much that I want to achieve and I will continue to document my journey. But, you know, just working as a music journalist and being as obsessed with <laughs> studying um, the industry, if I can just share what I know and and help others to live the life that they were born to live and then help people through their music, that would that would be really, really fulfilling for me. Yeah. And so what are some of the social media tips that you give artists and what is your process when it comes to approaching social media promotion? Yeah. So I have a bit of a relaxed approach compared to a lot of social media managers. Um, My approach is pretty holistic nowadays. So I always am working with uh, clients at the whole picture as opposed to just building social media because you can just run an ad and get a bunch of followers and that's that, but that's not necessarily going to generate fans for you because if they're just empty followers, they're not likely to actually, you know, purchase any music from you or merch or or come to your shows. So one of the biggest things for social media is one of the biggest roadblockers I find is people run out of content. So, the more that you can build in content creation into your everyday band activities, the less stressful it's going to be when it comes to posting on social media. So one of the, my favorite things is 
documenting. So if you're shooting a video, then having a behind the scenes photographer or a friend with a good camera there to really document that and take behind the scenes videos that you can later edit into, you know, video series um, or behind the scenes photos that you can use to promote or tell funny stories about the shooting day on socials. You're already there in your stage outfits shooting the video anyway. So why not capture various types of content, not just the actual video clip content? And it is important to get a third party to capture this because, of course, your main focus should be on the actual performance of the day of the video um, and making that the best it can be. But that's really uh, one of my favourite tips (laughs) to share. And whenever the band is hanging out or whenever you are, if you're a solo artist or even if you are an actor or dancer, whenever you are rehearsing or you're in the recording studio as well, just remember to document. I think if you get in the habit of documenting, then that is just going to make your life so much easier when it comes to social media. And yes, it's important to know the algorithms and, but I don't think that that's the most important thing. I think having high quality content and sharing your personality and your values is going to override, you know, just a stock standard boring post on socials. Yeah. So really letting that shine. It's building authentic communication and authentic connections. And so just being able to kind of document what you're doing, you collect photos and videos and stories as you go, instead of facing your computer going, I don't know what to write now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. What do you recommend when it comes, because Instagram can be very overwhelming because that alone, there's the feed, there's stories, there's reels, there's IGTV, there's guides, and pretty soon they're going to add audio to compete with the clubhouse and all that. So um, how do you recommend someone just begin to tackle that if they haven't been consistent? Yeah, it can be quite overwhelming because there's, social media channels popping up all the time. There was an 80-something percent rise in Twitch uh, um, uh, consumption in 2020 because, of course, everyone's at home and, (laughs) um, and also, you know, Clubhouse has just launched. So it can be really overwhelming for musicians and bands and any creative to try and tackle all of that and be like, okay, you'll have to be on Clubhouse, have to be on Twitch, I have to be on Facebook or have to have a Facebook group. I have always come at social media with the approach of just choose a couple of platforms and do them really well. And then once you feel like you've mastered those, then if you're interested, then to expand onto the other platforms. Because yes, TikTok is amazing in breaking new artists and new songs but if you don't understand the nuances of the platform and if you're missing the basics and spreading yourself too thin elsewhere then that's not really going to be the best strategy so I always think the best place to start at this current time is still with like the big four which is Facebook Instagram YouTube and Twitter and most of the stuff can be 
repurposed across all of those platforms. You can pretty much post everything on Instagram onto Facebook, but I wouldn't share it. So, because then you end up having hashtags and the, uh, you at symbol usernames across on Facebook, which looks really messy. So mm-hmm. it just takes three seconds to copy a, a caption and, and rewrite it for the Facebook format. Um, but you can also share the same stuff on Twitter as well and not making life too hard for yourself. Um, and then once you get into the habit of posting every day, then you can start to switch things up. And especially with Twitter, it's such an easy platform to use once you get the hang of it because it's basically just writing your thoughts or asking questions. It's kind of like my friend Matt Bacon calls it the world's chat room. Um, So with like reels and all the, all the new features, yes, algorithmically, if you start to use those features as soon as they pop up, uh, Instagram's certainly pushing reels right now, then yeah, it's beneficial. But if social media isn't something that comes naturally to you, don't feel that pressure, just uh, do your best and be consistent. And then when you've got a handle on things, then start to experiment. And I think experimentation and having fun is really key to being motivated with social media, not taking it too seriously. Yeah, because like, especially with stories, they disappear in 24 hours. So go for it. Just be have fun and see what works. Yeah, exactly. You can repeat it if it worked out really well. <laughs> exactly. And with stories, because they disappear, the, the quality of what you're doing doesn't have to be that high. In fact, it's more endearing and better for the relationship building if it isn't high quality because people feel like they're getting a behind the scenes sort of real unfiltered version of, of you as an artist. Yeah. That's important too. Like everything doesn't have to be perfectly shot and edited and all that. It's like, people just want to see you. Yeah. It's been quite interesting. Actually, a couple of years ago, it was preferable to have the most polished feed and, really, really professional, high-quality photos and you see influencers with the perfect grid of, you know, a yeah. quote, every third title, tile, for example. But now the preference um, to for users is actually stepping away from that perfect facade and actually stripping away some of the filters and being more real and raw and authentic. And I personally have struggled with this because I've already trained myself over the last few years um, to, you know, I mean, I still think that your photos need to be of a certain quality. Most people have, you know, a good, a good quality camera on their phones these days. So that's usually not really a problem, but I mean, I still wouldn't recommend the grainy dark rehearsal room photos or anything like that, but there's less pressure to have that polished, perfectly edited photo. And, and yeah, a lot of, um, you know, the beauty community is starting to strip away the filters and the editing and show that people have texture on their skin and, uh, you know, they're repurposing stories onto their main feed when half the text is cut off. But, you know, that story was probably important to what they had to say. So that's why they're sharing it. So, yeah, it's really interesting Um the, the trends now are, are to be that less polished, which I think is really nice. Yeah. And you have a freebie about Spotify tips. Can you tell us about that and share some tips about 
Spotify playlists? Yeah, absolutely. So Spotify is one of the things that, I mean, we all know Spotify is important. It's an important platform. And the first thing is a lot of musicians um, don't like Spotify because of the royalty payouts specifically because um, they're quite low. But the first thing is you need to think of Spotify as a marketing tool instead of a sales tool because Spotify has the ability to get your band exposure for free to potential fans all around the world and your music can be recommended to fans that are listening to similar artists. So um, I think that that's the approach that everyone has to take with Spotify. Um, So my band has had some success with Spotify, um, as I said our EP got over a hundred thousand, has over a hundred thousand streams and our standalone single, I think got, you know, 50,000 in a really short amount of time. And so I've seen firsthand how that then translates to people following you on social media and the power that it has in terms of discoverability. So I've worked with a number of bands um, who have been playlisted um, on editorial playlists, which is kind of the playlist that people are aiming for when they work um, or when they think about Spotify, I suppose. But the algorithmic playlists are actually really, really powerful. So once you get picked up by those, then you'll just see the numbers kind of snowball from there. So I have a cheat sheet, which I guess breaks it down really easily how to how to channel people towards Spotify because I think one of the biggest issues is splitting your audience when you only have a small audience. So trying to direct your audience to too many platforms, you know, follow us on Spotify, follow us on YouTube and I guess, yeah, splitting up the small audience that we already have. So if you want to build Spotify and if you want to, if if that's a platform, you know, that, that especially for the younger demographic, if that's a platform that you feel like your band could, could really use, then this cheat sheet will teach you how to funnel the fans that you have currently to Spotify in order to, I guess, create that snowball effect of getting picked up in the algorithms. And then also I have a video on there of, what to actually write when you're submitting your songs for the editorial playlists and also an idea about timeframes because you can't just upload your song a week before the release date and think that there's going to be a chance of getting playlisted. You actually need to upload your song about four to six weeks prior to the release date and not leave it to the last minute in order for the editors to actually have a chance to listen to it. So there's a bunch of tips and tricks on there. Um, but yeah, it's not just about editorial playlists. It's also about those algorithmic playlists and what the difference between the playlists are and how to kind of maximize your chances of having success um, with all the features that Spotify offers. Yeah. And yeah, there's so many independent playlists too. And I find even with blogs and playlists, like when I was doing more publicity, Um, A lot of times artists only thought about, I want to be on Pitchfork, like the big major music Mm. magazines, and I want to be on the editorial playlist. 
And I always had to kind of go, but how about we start down here? <laughs> we'll get there. But, um, you know, I you don't want to discount the smaller blogs and the smaller playlists. Because it's, it's, you've got to start somewhere. And I think the more smaller playlists and the more smaller blogs that you get on, the bigger ones will start to take notice. Oh, yeah. It's like you can't build the roof of a house before the foundations. Yeah. Um, it's not just about being, I mean, I don't really like the term, but realistic. I mean, I think that anything's possible, of course. But those smaller blogs and the smaller playlists, if they like you, they're going to support you for many, many years. And I find that the small blogs are really, really powerful in getting that start, building that foundation and getting a few media quotes from your EPK. And there are so many smaller blogs that now support my band who have been following my journey since my old band. And they've supported everything that I've done because I reached out to them, you know, seven, eight years ago, and they're still following me. And I just think that that's amazing and they're still supporting what I'm doing. And so, yeah, I think that the smaller blogs and playlists, they're doing it because they're so passionate about the music industry. And yeah, definitely don't discount that because um, yeah, there's definitely power to that. Yeah. And um, another thing that uh, you mentioned would be how to juggle a day job with your career because a lot of performers they have to have either a part-time or full-time day job just to support because in the beginning you're spending more money than you're making so if you have any tips about that that would be fantastic yes so this is such a core part as well about why I do what I do because I've had a lot of, uh, I guess, traditional jobs, which were really, really unfulfilling. And as a creative, they definitely working in those and and just feeling unfulfilled day in and day out had such a huge impact on my mental health. And so this is definitely a topic that I'm so passionate about. So I guess the, the first tip that I have is to, I mean... First off, if you are hating your job and if it is at that point where it's impacting your mental health and you're feeling like you're starting to get burned out, the first thing I would suggest is dropping down either from full-time to part-time or if you're already four days a week, then maybe considering three days a week because just giving yourself one extra day in the week, I know for me, it changed my whole outlook. It no longer felt like I was living to work and that this was consuming all of my energy. Um, I then had the space to come back to myself and to create and to feel like I was living my life again because I think it's it's easy to a lot of us get up at 7 a.m. and get ready and travel an hour to work and then work for eight, nine hours and then travel an hour home and that's your whole day gone. Uh, so if it's really at that point where you are you know, feeling anxious when you're going to work or you're just really tired and burning out and no longer have the energy to pursue your creative career, there's no shame in dropping down a day because likely it's, I mean, Obviously, circumstances are different for everyone, but for me at least, that one day of earning less income didn't impact my life super significantly. Um, 
I was still able to to live and everything, of course, maybe not as much Uber Eats, <laughs> but yeah. it really was, you know, a little bit less income in the meantime for a whole lot more gain in energy. Um, the next thing is really utilizing that travel time, um, your net time to and from work. That's when I used to do a lot of my social media posting, um, traveling to work or on the way home, and also listening to things that were going to inspire me on the on the journey to work also was a huge priority. So I, when I was back in Sydney, where I used to live, um, we were saying that's the kind of New York equivalent of Australia. Um, I used to yeah, use that time to post on social media. And then when I moved to Melbourne, I got a little bit stricter about my social media use because I was doing it for a day job. And so I would not go on social media in the morning, but instead use it to uh, attain knowledge and to be inspired. And then my headspace was a lot better, uh, you know, as soon as I'd walk into the office because I'd already felt like I'd learned something new or that I had the motivation I needed to get through the eight-hour day and um, and and then continue my creative pursuits afterwards. Um, so that's that. And then obviously lunch breaks as well. You can do the same thing. I mean, quite often I would pop out on a 10-minute break or on my lunch breaks and where I worked in Melbourne was near a bunch of factories and there was cool graffiti. So I'd often go around the corner to this nearby sort of street with a lot of graffiti because it had a cool background and I'd just jump on stories and talk about the latest program that I was releasing or just share tips with my audience and just utilizing any sort of spare pocket of time that I had to, I guess, work on my, on my business um, or work on my band, whatever my focus was at the time. And for those like seeking knowledge, that's the great thing about podcasts and audiobooks. That's the time you can absorb all that information just in your ears on your way to work. Yeah. And I was lucky enough. I mean, all of my recent jobs were pretty relaxed and that was definitely on purpose from my part, being drawn to those roles where I could listen to podcasts and music as I worked so I think that choosing jobs where they aren't so strict, um, working for companies, I guess, that are a bit more relaxed on that really helped my mental health because I have also worked in jobs where, you know, no phones allowed and I understand why, um, but even just the ability to like listen to music and listen to podcasts and not feel like I was just dedicating all my energy to building up someone else's career or someone else's dream. Um, that was really helpful. So if you're currently looking for a job, keep an eye out for maybe kind of more modern companies that are a bit more flexible, either with hours um, or, you know, have a culture that allows you more freedom and, you know, they're not micromanaging you and they don't mind if you listen to podcasts or listen to music through your headphones during the day because it's just going to make it's just going to improve morale I think so um, if you can swing that then yeah that is definitely preferred in my opinion cool and you have a podcast being in a band what made you start the podcast and what kind of topics do you cover yes so uh, I've had the podcast for 
about 18 months or so now. And it started, oh, originally I had a blog. So my website, monicastrut.com, there's still like a bunch of blogs on there. And I love writing. That's like my first love, but I realized I could say a whole lot more through a podcast and I could get through a lot more information just by speaking instead of writing. And also I feel like podcasts really allow your personality to shine. Whereas sometimes with blogs, you can still let your personality shine through. But I think one of the nice things about podcasts is getting to know the host and even the mistakes, I often leave those in because it just shows that you're human and uh, can kind of laugh about it. Um, And as far as topics, a lot of it was very marketing focused in the beginning. And I also have a weekly segment on the Daily Music Business podcast, um, if anyone wants to check that out. And I still speak a lot about marketing on there, but I've kind of stepped more towards I guess, that holistic perspective of being an artist, how to improve your relationships within your band when you're working with, you know, three, four other creatives and there's personality clashes, um, branding and release strategy. So, yeah, I speak about pretty much all aspects of being in a band. I don't talk about gear. <laughs> That's one thing that I don't talk about. Right. Um, but yeah, it's mainly sort of marketing image and also the mindset piece and just the, I guess, the business piece of being in a band. Right. Cool. So where can people find you online? Yes. So you can head to monicastrut.com and that will link you through to both the Being in a Band podcast and the Daily Music Business podcast. And there's so much information on the website now through my old blogs and podcasts. Um, So you can use the search function to find if there's anything specific. Other than that, I'm just Monica Strutt everywhere online and you can grab my free Spotify playlist cheat sheet at monicastrut.com slash Spotify. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Diane, for having me. It's been great. Thanks for listening to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. Be sure to join the mailing list at dianefoy.com to gain access to exclusive bonus content, a weekly newsletter, and an invitation to our private Facebook group of purpose-driven performing artists and industry influencers. 